Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! All right, welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. Money, Chargers 4-2 and two after, I don't know what you want to call it, on Monday night. It was a win, 1916 on the leg of Dustin Hopkins. Um, hey, these last three weeks, they haven't been pretty, but you don't need style points in the NFL. You take 4-2, and two, an opportunity to get to 5-2 and two entering the bye. Yeah, you know, so like yes, uh, Monday was pretty much the antithesis of last week, right? Last week, just a ton of offense. You know, yeah. Austin with his career high and, and the high in the NFL from scrimmage with those 199 yards. And then this week was just a defensive battle. Like, one thing that, that I've noticed um, in all of the incoming that the Broncos are taking because of all these primetime games, and it just kind of hit me, is, look, this is the best defense in the NFL. The Broncos have the best defense. That's the best front we've seen. That's <laughs> They're really good. Without question. I mean, look, Patrick Sertan erased Mike Williams, just erased him. You know, and that was obviously their plan going into the game. Is There's no Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, you know, ain't going to beat us. And, and they were effective in that. So Simmons you, just got back, too. Yeah, and Simmons got back, and we know the headaches he's caused the Chargers in the years past. But you combine that with one of the worst offenses in the league. And so that's where the problem is, right? The, the opposing team can't get anything going because their defense is so dominant. And their offense can't get anything going because it's just so bad and, and is not executing that you end up with all of these 6-3, to 9-6, 12-9, 19-16 in overtime games because that's how good their defense is. And so I think that's... You know, that's something to, I think, just sort of keep an eye on moving forward is if, if they can figure something out. If they can, you know, if Nate Hackett can just abandon what he wants to do on offense and tell Russ, all right, look, we're going to run the hell out of the ball and you're going to do what you did in Seattle, I'd still be a little worried about him. Um, their offensive line's not good, but yeah. – uh, and Russell's not good. Uh, he's got serious and he may be issues. hurt right now with a, with a hamstring. Whatever. I don't want to hear about that. You know, I'm so tired of that. <laughs> After last week's loss, the whole, oh, I got to go get this PRP therapy in L.A. Yeah, you know what? They used to do that in Denver exclusively. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about the hamstring. Um, I'm talking about how he looks when the rush is coming. You know, and DJ pointed it out on the broadcast. He's dropping his eyes. He's not taking off like he used to to extend place. When he does, he looks two steps slow. Um, but, you know, we know what he's capable of doing if you design an offense that suits his strength. So, like... The problem with Russ is the offensive line is so bad, and really what he's best at is downfield throws, right? So, like, if you just take the two busted coverages from JC out of the game, I mean, think about what his numbers would have looked like. Like, if you, well, like it I'm was saying. a yeah. full bust. JC just blew the coverage on Dulcich for the touchdown, and he blew the coverage on Hamler for that long completion. You take those two out, that guy's looking at about 70 yards passing, you know, on like 30 attempts. Yeah. I mean, and you want to talk about a different conversation we're having today. So um, I know that's not a lot of charger analysis, but that's the one thing I took away is, yeah, Denver's taking a lot of incoming from the national media, but it's because their defense is so damn good and their offense is so putrid. Yeah. And by the way, Eric Williams is going to join us. <clears throat> he was one of our first guests on Chargers Weekly back in 2017. I love you, Chargers exclusively. And, uh, He's covering the NFC West now. He was at the game on Monday, so he'll have some great insight 
but I, I go back to that Dulcich touchdown. Like, if that doesn't happen, money, like, where are they getting their points? Like, right. what, where are they getting their touchdowns, right? Well, and I Dulcich think Dulcich comes home from UCLA, it, yeah. it scores in his, his first ever game. Um, but yeah, go ahead, because, because I, I don't know where they're scoring if it wasn't for that blown coverage. And then really, right before the half, too, like, they got three points that, you know, had the Chargers, I think, just ran the ball on third and 16. I don't think the Broncos had any timeouts. They wouldn't have even had an opportunity but to still, go down I mean, that's just a blown coverage on JC. And that's why he sat down. And, you know, I think that's something that's got to be, you know, that, that I think is concerning moving forward. You know, as he was not injured, he was benched in the second half. Mikey played great, huge tip of the cap to Mike Davis um, for being ready. You know, the guy would play 100% of the snaps if, if JC wasn't playing and 0% of the snaps if he was, so to be ready to go out there and pitch a shutout. I mean, Mikey pitched a shutout. And I think it it just goes to show you, you know, that it's either a Brandon Staley conversation and, hey, just put JC on DK this week and just say, hey, just follow him. Or Tyler Lockett, you follow him. Shadow him, play press, that's your guy. Because, you know, the busted coverage came in a cover three where he just vacated his own. And that's just not what JC's used to doing. Now, he's got to get better at that because that's, you know, we know Brandon likes to show a lot of different looks and play a lot of different defenses. Um, so it's it's either on JC or it's on coach to figure out the best way to utilize a guy who's been the best corner in the league for the last five, one of the best corners in the league for the last four years. And really through these five games is, or four, six games, he's played, what, four of them. His performance is, you know, one of the worst. Um, and it's just, look, the guy's got way too much on tape to, to believe that he's, he just all of a sudden isn't good anymore. There's, he's too young. It's not like his skills have declined. Clearly, he's just uncomfortable. And either he's got to study more and get up to speed on what's, what his assignments are and get comfortable with the guys around him um, and handing coverages off or picking coverages up, or he's just got to go out there and, and you just say, hey, there's your guy. Where he goes, you go. And that's it. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to play it with Seattle because we know how good DK and, and Tyler are, you know, Lockett and Metcalf. They're really good receivers, and, and Geno's throwing the ball pretty well. So I think it's, it's certainly something of concern going into this game, and I'll be interested to see how Coach plays it. I heard uh, Bucky and DJ on Move the Sticks talking about just actually give the Chargers coaching staff a lot of credit for, for benching JC. 100%. Because they knew he didn't have it. Uh, Michael came in, and the defense was awesome in the second half. They, they, they were really good. Michael came in. Um, you know, I know that they talked about no mental errors, um, and they, they played clean football in the second half. Yeah. Uh, Corey Lindsley not being in the game money, we've seen it. We saw this Nightmare. movie. It was there were six quarters before this game where they couldn't get anything going against Jacksonville. The second half of Kansas City, um, they couldn't run the ball. Justin threw the ball 57 times. A lot of those were just like extended runs just to try to get something going. He didn't really go down the field that much. You mentioned Patrick Sertan just really locking up Mike. You know, Mike almost got loose in overtime, but uh, for the most part, he was he was erased from the game. You're, you're seeing Keenan Allen's uh, – I guess how valuable he is to the passing game each and every week. Um, so we don't know if we'll see Keenan this week or if the, maybe they'll they'll wait till after the bye to bring him back versus Atlanta. Um, but 
Austin's going to have to get going. The Seahawks have allowed 995 yards on the ground entering week seven, the most in the NFL. I think that this could be a spot if you get Corey back, get back to running the football. We know Josh Kelly won't be uh, won't be available. Maybe this is a spot where Isaiah Spiller makes his debut and there's some sort of committee behind Austin, but I think they have to establish the run against Seattle. Yeah, and Corey's the centerpiece of that, pardon the pun. You know, he's yeah. just so oh, good at getting to the next level and, and working to that left side. And clearly when he's not in there, it's just it's it's not the same. Um, it's nowhere near the same. That's just how important he is. So hopefully, you know, because it's not an injury, it's illness. And it's, you know, I believe the report is food poisoning. You like to think that he'll be back on Sunday. Keenan's got to get out there. You know, he's got to get out there. It sounds like he's super close. And now they're talking about giving him the extra week of the bye. But. You know, if it's close, you've got like you got to win this game. Like this is a huge game, and you're gonna get the week off. So the way I look at it is, if you're close, uh, and look, I'm not the guy that's got to go out there and fire my legs and and freaking you know run the routes that Keenan's yeah. capable of running. But like it just it feels like he's close, and if you're close, uh, it'd be great to see him out there because uh, they need him. You know, especially with the the concussion protocol for Palmer and Parham, you know, the you know Bandy got a couple reps, had an excellent catch on third down to pick up a, thir- a first down after the ball was tipped and started flipping around sideways to have the concentration. Um, they put him on outside and you know outside and had him run a go route, and it's just that that's not he's too small. You know, that's not for Bandy, but you know you kind of keep him in that slot, and that's the big problem. That's what I'm saying. Like Keenan's got to get back. Because yeah. you've got DeAndre Carter out there, you've got Bandy out there, you know, it looks as though, you know, Jay, well, even though Jason Moore's out there, the guy's got, you know, no targets, so there's an issue there, and and I just, man, if he's close, I, 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 would, I would really like to see him on the field against the Seahawks instead of saying, let's give it another two weeks. I mean, man, it's been a long time already for, uh, for a hammy. Yeah, it's it's just so tricky because you want him 100% for the stretch run. And I think if there's any doubt, I don't know, I'd probably err on the on the side of caution. But to your point, look at this injury list, man. I mean, it, uh, Gerald Everett didn't practice Wednesday illness. Uh, Joshua Palmer and Donald Parham did not practice because of concussions. Trey Pipkin's limited. Um, Zion Johnson was full, but he's got an ankle. Sebastian Joseph Day limited. Uh, Joshua Kelly's out. It's it's one of those games where if, if if you can get through it and get to five and two, and that's why I think the God, the running game is going to have to be big. I I, I say you, you try to unleash Isaiah Spiller. I I really hope they make him active money, and and you let Austin do everything. You know, catch balls, um, be be the leader in the run game, and then and then hopefully Mike can get loose. And this this rookie Woolen for for oh, Seattle he's got four picks. I mean, it's he's got four picks each each in the last four games. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, DJ talked about him. We're going to talk about him in the film room. Um, but th- this Seattle defense is playing better. I just, I, I, I want to see this team as healthy as possible. First of all, the buy's coming at a great time. That's what I mean. um, so, I, I don't know. Keenan kind of knows. The way I look at Keenan it. will know. Yeah, I think Keenan will know. And that's kind of my point. It's like the, you know, you can play it two ways. To me, it's like, hey, if you can play, play, because you got the buy. You know, and and again, I get it. Injuries are tricky, and I'm not trying to pretend like I know anybody's body. But to me, because the buy is here, get out there and play, you know, because you're going to get two weeks to rest up after this one. Even if you're on a pitch count, it's just good. Even What if, like, Keenan just only played third downs? 
You know what I mean? Like the, there, I think there is a way to massage that. Um, yeah. You know, especially like you said, with with Paramount, with those big t- like Keenan's such a great big target, and he makes himself available so easily on third downs, and you could just tell how missed that Denver game looks completely different if Keenan Allen's out there. Like that, in my opinion, I think it looks completely mm-hmm. different because Justin had like it's so funny. You know, when you hear I was driving home, and I don't want to name names, but I, even though I should, this freaking kook. Is, just name it. Just name the name. I don't know his name. I, I don't know him. He's some guy from Fan Sided um, that was on with Reitster, our old friend George Reitster, and and I was driving home listening, and he's just you know he's got this stupid New York accent. He's like, I don't understand. Joe Lombardi needs to be fired. Why you're wasting Justin Herbert? Why is he not pushing the ball down the field? I don't know because he has no time. You jackass. Maybe that's why he's not pushing the ball down the field. It's like, what do, what do you want him to do? You want him to stand and take a sack and throw it as he's getting dragged into the ground? Like, just that whole narrative of Herbert's, you know, checking the ball, ball down. Well, yeah, his left tackle's gone. His center's been gone. Like, the protection, you know, Zion had his first really rough game of the year against the Broncos. Like, yeah, guess what? He's got no time. So he's got to throw the hurt. ball quickly. The other guy's hurt. There's, yeah, there's a so, rookie left tackle. It's like, you know, my whole thing is that's – that's where Keenan would have made such a huge difference in that game to, because he's just so good at getting open immediately. And that's what was lacking in that game is just opportunities. You know, the, the interception to Everett, look, that's, that's 80% on Everett. To come back to the ball, please. Come back, you know, when, when you squat. He's done that twice this, time, this, this year now. I mean, I know the corner played a good, you know, the, made a good play on it with safety and, and popped the ball in the air, but... Um, you know, Everett's done that twice and Keenan's just so good at it. And, and that's kind of where is Eric's now popped in where, what I'm getting at, where if he's close, I'd really like to see him out there on, on Sunday and then take your two weeks to, to get to hundred percent. As we bring in Eric Williams, who I, I think was one of the very first guests on Chargers Weekly back in 2017, uh, I saw him in, in, in the press box on Monday. He's doing great work for Fox sports covering the West and, uh, E. First, thanks for being here. Second, I'd love to get your thoughts on what you saw on Monday night uh, between the the Chargers and Broncos as uh, the Bolts get ready for Seattle now on Sunday. Well, I think Money hit on uh, a lot of it, and Money, good to see you as well. You too, E-Dub. I think just just from the Broncos' perspective – I'm somewhat surprised at how Russell is playing. I, I think we saw a little bit at the end in Seattle that he wasn't the same guy that they drafted in 2013. Certainly doesn't move like he did when he first got into the league. Um, and they did a great job of protecting him early on. You know, they had Marshawn, so they were handing the ball to Marshawn. They run a lot more play action, a lot more shots off of play action. And, of course, those play action shots were open because if you're a defensive player, you're going to come up if Marshawn looks like he's going to get the ball. So I think they created a lot more opportunities. There was a lot more separation down the field when he threw it. And then, obviously, things changed over time. He wanted more say in the offense. They didn't run play action as much. um, And he didn't move as much. And so, um, you know, I wasn't surprised that he moved on just based on, you know, people I still talk with in the organization. I think they were ready to move on from him. He was ready to move on. They didn't want to pay him the kind of money that that Russell wanted. Russell got out of there. And now, hey, this is what you wanted. You wanted to be the guy. You wanted to be 
the, the one of the top paid players in the league. You wanted to be able to have more say in the offense. You're getting everything you wanted. Uh, you got to start playing. You know, I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, um, I think the the two things that stand out to me in Russell is he seems to lock on to receivers early, and he's not kind of taking what the defense is giving him, and then he's not running. I mean, that's really the difference. You know, yeah. he, he used to create those second reaction plays. We saw a little bit of it in the first half. Second half, they 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 came at him, um, and he and he took a lot of sacks and just you know wasn't wasn't making plays. Go ahead, Money. Yeah, you know, we discussed it earlier, E-Dub, and, and look, he doesn't have great protection in front of him. He's dropping his eyes when pressure's coming. It's, you know, I, I, I applaud, you know, Ronaldo and, and Brandon for making the adjustment in the second half and just saying, you know what, we're throwing bodies at him, and we're going to throw it from all yep. different directions. And you can tell he just wasn't comfortable that, you know, he it, – it, it completely changed the game. Look, I think obviously getting rid of J.C., for the second half, who was really struggling. You know, I actually went and dug into the box score because I wanted to see if you don't have those two busted plays uh, to Hamler and to Dulcich, the JC just mm. vacated the zone. You're talking about Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, taking uh, 26 attempts to throw for 101 yards. Like, that's how bad it is. And I think, you know, overtime told you everything you needed to see. Their defense is so good that they were just like, you know what, we are not allowing him to take a sack. We're going to take our good field position, you know, use our good punter, see if we can pin him deep and maybe get a shank from their punter, from JK, and get McManus a 55 to 65 yarder in one of the best kicking stadiums in the league and sneak out of here with a win. Like that was their offensive approach. And for all the 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 bitching and moaning that the the Broncos fans are are having, Made sense. I was like, yeah, I get it, man. You know, that's why J.K., for all of the celebration that Dustin Hopkins got, and he deserved it, like, J.K. should be in that conversation because mm-hmm. when he's got his heels on the line and you know the kind of leg that McManus has on the, on the goal line and he flips the field and pushes them all the way back to the 35 on that first one and then has the hang time that mm-hmm. allows Josh Sear to, to create that turnover, like, those are MVP plays because that's exa- basically the Broncos were counting on J.K., to not flip the field. That's how they were going to win the game. And mm-hmm. because he executed the way he did, and man, I cannot I cannot sing his praises enough because that ain't easy. You know, he did have a shank. Remember he had a shank earlier yeah. in the game where I think he had a punt that went like 18 yards. Yeah, 18-yarder. Yeah. So, yeah. like, that's that was their approach. And, you know, E-Dub, I think that tells you everything about Russell. It's like, yeah, run, run, maybe see if we can get something <laughs> on third down, don't take a sack, and punt, and let's see if we can get McManus a 60-yarder to get out of here with a win. Yeah, and and I think the difference, as you mentioned, the kicking game, but that throw that Justin made to put them in focal position where there's nothing there, he escapes, he throws a laser, I think it was to Mike Williams yeah. for about 20 yards, puts him in field goal position, and then Hopkins limps, limps out there on one leg and, and somehow <laughs> makes a 39-yarder. Kudos to that guy for, for what he was able to accomplish. That's what Russell used to be able to do. We don't see that anymore from him maybe less subway commercials and more yeah. like working Ugh. on your, your playbook. <laughs> uh, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of pressure there. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Um, I believe they play the jets at home. Yeah. I mean, is he going to get booed? I mean, that's, that's he pretty is. embarrassing six games into the season. And that's yeah. what we're looking at. He the is. jets are good. The jets are good right now. Defense is playing well. And the jets, jets are legit. Yeah, yeah. Defense is playing well. I'd also like just quickly, uh, Chris, before you jump in here, Edeb, I'd like to say less subway commercials and also 
less Subway. <laughs> I saw. Hey, you know what? Fair, I, I, fair. I saw an outtake. I saw an outtake of that commercial this morning too. Sierra's, Sierra's making cooking some food All now. Right, come on now, let's mix in a salad. Let's let's <laughs> a little chunky. I know you're wearing. You know, I think the flak jacket. I don't know if it's a flak jacket or if it's a corset. I don't know what's going on there, but I can see it in the face, and we can see it when he breaks the pocket. It's like that ain't the Russ I remember. That that's I remember that guy getting the corner no, and taking no, off not. for twenty. That, that's. That's not four or five five anymore. Is no, it? <laughs> no. Hey, even before we get to Seattle, the fact that this Chargers team has has won their last three, none of them have been particularly pretty. But but you're four and two in an NFL right now, where you take out the Bills and the Eagles. I don't know who's really good, right? So to to stack these wins at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year with all the injuries that they have, Money and I were just talking about the fact that if you can just if you can get this win against the Seahawks, you get the five and two at your bye, despite the way that mm-hmm. they've played and the injury concerns. Man, you, you take that every day of the week, and then you know hopefully you know we were just talking about the fact that this bye comes at the perfect time. Get healthy for this second half stretch. No, I mean, you know, having covered the team for many years in the past, these are games that they struggled to win yeah. in years past. These close games where they're decided by a field goal and they somehow figure out a way to lose them. Now they're figuring out a way to win them. And that's what good teams do. You know, pretty much every game in the NFL is going to come down to one possession game. And, and whoever has the quarterback that can lead them down to a, a score is going to, you know, emerge victorious. And whoever has the defense that can get off the field, same thing. Can you close out games on offense or defense? Um, the Chargers are figuring out ways to win. Cleveland's always been a, a place where, you know, they've kind of struggled over the years to get a win there, I think was, was big. And then again, against Denver, a team that, you know, they're, they're kind of back and forth with, um, to, to get a win early in the year and to kind of stay with the chiefs who the chiefs have, I believe the Niners this weekend, um, is huge. So yeah, you're looking at the Seattle game. This is gettable. This is a game that, you know, you'd like to, to continue that winning streak moving in the bye and, and have some momentum. Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, Eric, like, it's such a great point you bring up, the the games, because we've seen it, you know, they've been, I've been with them for tw- since 2017, and yeah, these are the games they lose. They figure out a way, they would figure out a way to lose mm-hmm. in overtime or lose late after having a lead. And, and, you know, they closed out the Texans, they rallied to come back from a 14-point deficit to beat the Browns, um, and this past week in, in against the best defense. I think it's, I said it earlier. I think it's the best defense in the NFL. Um, and that's the other thing that was great about this game. When's the last time? Like, you know, and, and I'm not – I hate doing stuff like this because I'm not trying to take shots or anything, but, like, when's the last time special teams won a game for the Chargers? Like, when's the last time we said, hey, that was a special teams win? You know, four field goals, made them all, including the game winner in overtime – punt coverage was exceptional and was the play that led to the victory jk having to fill in for uh for dustin on kickoffs even though he doesn't do kickoffs and booting every single one of them out of the back of the end zone so you didn't have to worry about coverages if it was too short and guys aren't used to covering in those patterns because you got a kicker that doesn't quite know where he's Mm going to put the ball like that that was a special teams win i don't think i've ever Am I wrong? Like, can you think of a special teams game that the Chargers, you know, offense wasn't quite there, you know, defense, you know, was given up just enough to keep the other team in it, and special teams was the difference? Not off the top of my head. Right? No. I know um, Novak got it through a game, I think, Thanksgiving Day, where he, 
he um he battled and got out there and probably shouldn't have been out there to be honest uh but but played now that game um, he dubbed you know, that I mean, game if go down featured my favorite play chris knows he as yeah. soon as you said it i could see him smile because he's like i know matt's not going to be able to hold his tongue it's my favorite play in chargers history because novak <laughs> couldn't finish the game and drew kazer had right. the kick and our booth was right above where he was warming up <laughs> and the first practice kick going into that net that you the, the net that attacked odell beckham back in the day for the people listening if you don't know what it looks like that net Drew Kayser winds up, and he gets his first swing. And imagine, like, it for golfers, just that snap hook. This ball snaps, and it goes into the stands, <laughs> traveling at about 150 miles an hour. And like a child who broke... I remember that. Like a child who broke a window in the neighborhood, Kayser just kind of, like, ducked his head and was like... <laughs> and he just walked away and pretended like nothing I remember, happened. Remember, he said, I remember asking about that because he, he said there was a hole in the net. And I'm like, mm, no, 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 there wasn't a hole in the net. That, yeah, and I that's a total Drew Kaser <laughs> answer, too. Yeah, there's a hole in that. Shut up. It was one of the greatest shanks ever. I think someone was having their Thanksgiving meal and it just exploded all over him. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, but, but I remember Badgley. So did Badgley have like five field goals in that that game against the Ravens? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. He got out. He got out dueled Tucker. Yeah. That was like the one thing I, I'm trying to rack my brain. I think that's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, Bad, Badgley. Had, I, I remember that Badgley had had some solid performances. Uh, you know, earning the nickname the buddy, Money Badger early on. But you're right. I mean, we don't want to go down the kicker rabbit hole because we would be no. talking the entire time. No, it'd be too um, depressing. And they're going to have a different kicker on Sunday, correct? Bertolette, who played great, by the way. Well, yeah, it's funny. So I just say that. I'm like, when's the last time we talked about special teams? How about Cleveland with Bertolette? The first ever game he plays in. And the guy's three for three mm -hmm. on extra points, three for three on field goals, and boots every kick out of the end zone for touchbacks. Like, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I have to go all the way to uh, a week before to say that uh, we had a really good special teams performance on this team. Way to go, Matt. <laughs> e, the, uh, the, the fact that the Chargers are getting contributions from, you know, I, I think the, the best example of, you know, looking at your rookie class, and this is like, you get Jasir Taylor was a sixth rounder. Dean Leonard made the re recovery seventh rounder. Jamari Sawyer is filling in for Rashawn Slater right now. But I want to ask you about this fifth-round corner from Seattle who, who looks like the steal of the draft. Mm -hmm. I heard DJ and Bucky talking about Woolen earlier this week, and, man, this, this dude has mm -hmm. a pick in each of his last four games. Yeah, he, he's been amazing. Um, there was a lot of uh, talk and rumblings during training camp when you, you know, talked to some of the reporters covering uh, the team every day about his athleticism and the kind of plays he, he was making during training camp. And then early on, we didn't really see a whole lot, but he's caught fire right now. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of comparisons to Richard Sherman, you know, because he was a receiver in college that converted to, reluctantly converted to cornerback. And, you know, the head coach made him a lot of money by, by asking right. him to do that. Um, but I think when you look at his size and his frame, he looks more like Brandon Brown to me than Richard. It just in mm. terms of his length and um, and the way he plays. And he plays on the right side where, where Browner plays, I believe, and not on the left side. Uh, but his production has been, you know, a revelation. Um, and then when you look at the entire draft class, I believe they have six guys that are contributing right now. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, who's, who's playing the slot. Obviously, Kenneth Walker, running back, they, they draft in the second round. The two bookend rookie tackles, 
uh, Charles Cross, Cross and, and Abe Lucas. And then Bo Maffe has been getting a little bit of run as, as an edge rusher. So to have that class, they've kind of been comparing it to the 2012 class, you know, when they got Russell and Bobby Wagner and, and Turbin and, and Bruce Irvin. And, and that group kind of set the, the table for, you know, the, the success they had in going back-to-back Super Bowls. Obviously, before that, they had Earl Thomas and, and Russell Okung had some some solid picks to, to lay the foundation. So they're hopeful, you know, that, you know, trading Russell and all those picks, even though they, they took a hit hit nationally, everybody thought they were getting fleeced. Now you look at it and go, well, who's really getting fleeced right. in this deal, you know, based on the production that they're getting from those picks. And then they have two first-round picks next year, and, and Geno's playing well right now. I mean, give them credit. They, they kind of knew. I don't think anybody believed them um, that, that Geno could kind of come in there and, and play like he's playing. Um, you know, that Geno, the way he's playing, I mean, we saw him with the Chargers, obviously. He backed up Phillip for a year. Um, I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, yeah. they, they thought the talent was always, always there, but um, for him to come out there and, and be decisive, completing 73% of his passes. Um, I talked to their quarterbacks coach, Dave Canales, who's been there since Pete's been there. They said the couple things that they really focused on was his footwork. Um, so he didn't bob so much in the pocket. So he had clear vision. So keeping his cleats in the ground and then just taking the, the easy throw, you know, guys open, throw it to him. And then if there's nothing there, run, you know, he has 140 rushing yards. So he kind of added that element that they had with Russell when Russell was first there. You mentioned, money before, uh, real quick money. Yeah. The, the fact that he backed up Phillip, I know that that helped him. And I remember talking to Gino. He, he's a student of the game. He wants to be a coach when, when this thing's all yep. done. So I, I really think that benefited him to, to sit, to learn from Phillip, to kind of absorb all this and really be prepared for his second act. And, you know, we're seeing it now, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. And I think he had the confidence all along mm-hmm. that he was going to be able to, to take the reins here and go. I didn't mean to interrupt money. No, no, you're fine. Um, I talk too much on this podcast anyway. Um, the game that, uh, that Gino got in, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, and when he played and again, I'm just such a jerk, but, um, he, I think he attempted five passes, did not complete any of them except one that went to the Chargers sideline and Tasso caught it. <laughs> so we were joking. Tasso. That- Tasso is, uh, if you ever watch Charger games, Tasso's the guy that warms up Herbert, so he'll usually be standing next to Chase Daniel, uh, catching the passes from, or, the, you know, a receiver, whoever it is, you know, a receiver. Um, and that's the only completion he made. But one thing that, that I think has changed with Gino, and I don't, I'm, obviously I'm just projecting this from afar, but, you know, Gino always seemed very sensitive, very touchy, very combative. And I think when, you find yourself, and I, and it's understandable. The guy took so much incoming when he was drafted by the Jets, and you're playing for the Jets, and mm-hmm. there's just so much negativity uh, in his life. Obviously, the fight with his teammate. So I get it. I totally get the defensive attitude, but I think what happens is then when you finally get your opportunity, you're trying to do too much because you're trying to quiet everyone with one drive. And I think you hit it on the head, Eric. This coaching staff was able to just slow him down. Say, hey, man, you don't. You don't need to go, you know, 25 for 31 with 450 yards and six touchdowns, you know, and three bombs for people to be like, hey, Geno's great. He's got to win games, complete passes, win games. You're a hell of an athlete. You were exceptional at West Virginia. You know, just do what you do. And, you know, so that part of me isn't surprised just because I remember it was one of my favorite 
college football teams in recent memory. I mean, that team was fun. They had speed everywhere. Geno was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, I think that's where – I think it's, yes, obviously Geno deserves credit, but I think certainly it's the coaching staff that has put him into a situation where they have found his sweet spot and surrounded him with great Kenneth Walkers. I was watching some of his cut-ups. I'm like, dude, this guy can – this dude can run. Um, so you got that. You got DK, who's a nightmare, and Tyler, if he's healthy. You know, talk about suddenness and quick twitch. Like, it's, it's a good – it's a pretty good freaking roster if they can protect. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, two things. One on Gino. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, not not only Phillip backing up, but he backed up Eli for a year with the Giants. And then, you know, he backed up Russell for three years. So I think you're right. I mean, he learned from all three of those guys um, and, and has kind of put that that experience, you know, into action this year. Uh, the hype on Kenneth Walker needs to kind of tone down <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I've seen him compared to LT, Gale Sayers, and Barry yeah, Sanders. Yeah, Oh, and, oh. I mean, he's good, but let's <laughs> let's let's let him play a little bit. I mean, that's that, that's pretty strong. Um, he obviously, I mean, he's really elusive. I think you know, Pro Football Focus has him at breaking forty-four tackles, you know, through six weeks. So again, amazing. But you know, let's let's let him play a little bit now. Yeah, he's averaged. Uh, I think since taken over for Penny, six point three yards a pop as a pair of touchdowns. I really think that that's the key to the game for the Chargers is is slowing him and then getting their own running game going. We mm-hmm. were just talking about it uh, before he mm-hmm. came on. You know, the Chargers need to get back to what they were doing when Corey Lindsley was in the lineup a couple of weeks ago against Cleveland. Um, run the ball with Austin. It sounds like Joshua Kelly is going to be out for a while now. So whether that's Sony or Isaiah Spiller, um, I guess share the wealth, but let Austin – lead the charge both in the pass game and the run game. Um, Seattle's given up a ton of yards on the ground. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the path. I mean, I think you do have to run it. This is a defense that's still struggling in in terms of tackling and getting people down. Uh, They have been able to create a little more pressure. I think they had six sacks against the Cardinals, but I don't necessarily think that getting after the the passer is their strength. I think that Justin should have time. I, I think money's right. If, if Keenan come, can come back, I think that would significantly help the offense, particularly in those got to have it situations, third down, red zone, when you know they have, they've had, they had trouble in those situations with Keenan out. But I do think Eckler's got to run it. Uh, would be nice to see Isaiah play. I mean, fourth round pick, you looked right. okay in training camp. I know that with running backs, there's a, definitely a, a learning curve in terms of pass pro and the complexity of offense is different than college, but he's got talent. Um, I think sometimes, um, you know, coaches will tend to overthink things with guys that are talented. I think you'd have to find like a role for him to give him confidence and just put him out there and let him play. Yeah, I think our friend Popper made a great point last week. And when you go through the, the play-by-play sheet, you see, look, this, the run defense has been, and, and I, you know, I think this is a, a bad excuse um, you can't do it because you can't allow the explosive play. But the run defense is solid, and then all of a sudden one will pop. And that's where it gets sideways. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, against the Broncos, and look, the Broncos don't have Javante Williams, but, you know, Melvin Gordon got nothing going. Uh, Latavius got one pop, 14 yards. But that was it. You know, the run yeah. defense actually held mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. So, and look, it held for the for 
quite a bit, and, and I'm not even going to talk about Cleveland. You know, Stefanski should have won that game by just running the ball every single time he took a snap because, they, you know, nobody can slow that thing down. But, mm-hmm. like, Houston was one play. It was a big pop from Pierce, you know, for 75 yards. Otherwise, it was all – like, they have to – they've got to limit the explosive play, you know, before they can really mm-hmm. get this run defense to be what it looks like it can be. I mean, Austin – and Sebastian Joseph, they, I mean, yeah. they've been so good inside. Nobody is better. We keep, I say it every week. I'm sure people are tired of hearing it. Nobody does better run fits from the linebacker spot than Drew Tranquil. He's exceptional. And obviously, Khalil Mack on the edge is a revelation. I mean, you just can't run his direction. He will swallow you up. Um, so they have the pieces, you know. So I'm anxious to see how they use them. If it's a, yeah, you know what? If, if, if Geno Smith can beat us deep, go ahead. We're, we're going to commit our resources to Kenneth Walker and slow that thing down and trust that Asante and either JC or or Mikey can can take care of those two receivers. Uh I would DK's a problem now. Oh yeah. Um I mean I don't know <laughs> if there's a person that you go, yeah, we'll get we're gonna put him on DK. Who's checking and, and DK? Good. Who I you mean, guys think that would be DK. concerning. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, Eric, because I said it earlier, like the, the whole thing with JC, the mess that it is right now through through six games, I said, what was he the best at? You know, Belichick would just point to a guy, and that was it. And he would play a man, and he was good. He would press. He was physical. His closing speed, his, able, his ability to read and close and get those interceptions. Now, look, DK, yeah, he's one of the toughest covers hmm. in the NFL, but I think you're better off doing that than running cover three and, and having four deep. Like, I just – to me, that's a better use of resources, um, and try and, and like and, and I look. I think what people fail to realize is that it's it's all connected. You know, it's when you hear about hey, is the defense connected? If you're going to do that, yeah, now your pass rush has to get home. Mm-hmm. And look, Geno took five sacks last mm-hmm. week, so you can get home. You know, you can get home. And Morgan Fox has been great. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tillery has even been solid. He had a great pass rush on Reister. I mean, basically just shoved him into the ground, stepped on his chest, and had Russell in his grasp. Um, so I think that's – if you can get your defense to be connected and you can get to Geno like the Cardinals did, and I think this is a better front than they have going right now, uh, even without Joey, just as, as good as, mm-hmm. as Morgan's been and – and, you know, I think they need – obviously they need to figure out that other edge spot. You know, it's been a little bit of a letdown with Van Noy and Rump. I'd like to see them get more with all the attention that Khalil's getting. But the interior has been really good. And you saw a leaky interior from Denver. And, look, Tranquil got two coming straight up the middle. A ton of pressures from Tillery and Austin Johnson as well. So if you can get connected, you know, and, and not give him a lot of time to let those long developing routes downfield to DK – and, and Tyler develop, um, that's, I think that's the better approach than death by a thousand cuts from this team because I just think they're going to be able to move the ball with Kenneth Walker. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be able to run it. I would yeah. agree. He had uh, last, Ch- Chenna, you're right, uh, coming back. Here we go. I'm glad you he mentioned got, it. He got three sacks. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's playing pretty good for them. That's what's funny, Eric, about that D. Like, when you look at it, they got a ton of sacks. And then when you go through it, it's like, oh, wait, Chenna leads the team with three. And, you know, normally you you assume you're going to find, like, a Khalil Mack with six or something when you have that kind of sack total. And it's just the sacks, everyone's got one. Like, you know, they got three corners with one, a safety with one, a linebacker with two, Chenna with three. Like, it's – I don't know what their – I don't remember what their total is. I think it's 15. Um, but when you go through – 
It sounds it's right. Like every, it's so spread out. I think that tells you about Pete and you know what he's dialing up to maybe overcome just the straight the ability for for the edges to get home. You know, on a straight by by bringing four. I mean, there's a it, to me that's what it looks like. I haven't, like I said, I've not watched a lot of Seattle. I've watched some cut ups of some players, but it looks like. You know, he's probably bringing pressure from all over the place and and trying to force the quarterback to guess where it's coming from. And that's why they got so many sacks from so many different dudes. Yeah. Chen is going to be ready. Chen is going to be ready. I don't think they can just line up with just four. Yeah, I I don't think you can just line up four and and get there. Like you said, I think they have to dial up and kind of manufacture the pressure because they don't have like a a lead guy like a Mac that, like you said, is just going to get six or seven. So. They are kind of manufacturing a little bit, but you know, Chenna is taking advantage of his opportunities. And Chris, I agree. I think he's he's probably looking forward to it, and and will be ready. The Seahawks they've won the turnover battle in five of their first six games. So, Charge defense is going to have to generate some turnovers in this one. And and money to your point about those big plays. I think Kenneth Walker had a sixty nine yard touchdown against the Saints a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. he's shown that big playability. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can close it here, fellas. And money, I'll start with you. Just what do you think? We'll decide this game on Sunday. A big one for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not analysis. It's who's playing. You know, I think they they I think Corey Lindsley's got to get out there so they can run the ball. They've been out, they have not been able to run it without him. Will Clapp's going to done a, a, a solid job uh, in pass pro. So uh, so three things. One, who's playing? Uh, I I'd really like to see Corey Lindsley and, and Keenan out there. Um, two, I, I think it's it's you talked about turnovers. I think it's not just turnovers. But it's like they, they got off schedule with those holding penalties. They were crippling, crippling holding penalties. Yeah, I don't know Two if it was from that Zion, crew or one what? from Hymas. Yeah, it was a lot. There were three. There were three. I mean, from their own twenty-five or their own ten. Like the one from Hymas, it's like no, you can't. Under and th- and three of them were on run plays. Those. It's like, dude, second and ten or second and eleven is mountains better than than first and 20 like you cannot get into first and 20 on a run play if your guy beats you he beats you let him make the tackle and by the way Austin's probably going to break the tackle and get three yards out of it anyway so let's just kind of let so (laughs) clean it up you know clean they've got to clean it up on penalties it was a weird game it was it was actually a, a really poorly officiated game I hate doing that and it goes both ways I'm not saying that the Chargers got it went both ways there was the um the um, what's it called? The unnecessary roughness that was brutal on the on the Broncos. There were some oh, yeah. really yeah. Bad, that was th- bad. And by the way, mm-hmm. officials, when when they're not going to get a free shot on Justin Herbert, they jump off sides and then they go back. Please let the play continue. Let it, let this is two weeks now that they've. This is twice in three weeks that they've done it. Once in Houston. Once this past Monday night, where the defender jumps and then gets back. And the ball has been snapped, and they don't give Justin the free play. Uh, the pass interference on J.C. on Cortland Sutton was an embarrassment. The, Sutton had J.C.'s face mask and was just ripping it down, and J.C. was just kind of <laughs> grabbing out for some leverage. Um, it was a poor – and by the way, in overtime, and we said this on the broadcast when we saw the replay, all replays come from upstairs. How do you not look at that Mike Williams sideline catch? He caught that ball. As crazy as it was yeah. and as incredible a catch as it was and as unbelievable as it was, when we saw that replay in slow-mo and they zoomed in, he got both of his feet in. How do you not replay that? How, how do you not stop and say, hey, let's get a look at that? Because clearly the right foot's in is the left foot. So 
that's a that's a sidebar. My my fault. Clean up the penalties. Got to be healthy, and uh, and I think those are those are the two keys. E, I don't want to see 19 penalties for 240 penalty yards on Sunday. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Less penalties would be better, so we can actually like watch the game without the the stoppage. Um, I think they got to get 130 rushing yards if you're um, the Chargers. Um, so run the football, be able to control a clock. Uh, when you're in the red zone, score touchdowns instead of field goals. Um, and then I really feel like you know Herbert's going to be the key here. He he makes the plays that he normally makes. First team that gets to to 25, 26 points, I think is gonna is gonna win this game. So Chargers just just like Money said, just play clean football. You know, take care of it. Uh, run the football uh, to protect your quarterback. I think you can run against the Seahawks. And then when you're in the red zone, you know, put the ball in the end zone. I'm so happy E is back on Chargers Weekly. Yeah. You gonna be there on Sunday? Uh, debating. Uh, I might be there. You might. What are the options? Or what what are the know? options here? E-Dub? What are we looking at? <laughs> what, what do we got? We got. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm. Got. Uh, Niners hosting right? KC. That's, okay. that's, that's an interesting game. So that that would be the other. Can we get healthy, please, San Francisco? Can you please get healthy for this game and not be missing three fourths of your defensive line? Three. It looks like a Bosa. Looks like a Bosa may be ready. Looks like a Bosa may be ready in the Bay. Bosa and and Trent Williams may be ready. Yeah. Yeah. They get those those guys back. That's so. How about that? So how about that? Not only could the Chargers get to five and two at their bye, they could be in first place in the in the West if the Chiefs uh, lose to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So, who would have thunk it, man? After the first seven weeks of the NFL season. Unbelievable. E, and by the way, we, just speaking of who would have thunk it, a real quick uh, note. Hey, let's go Denver. Please knock off the Jets. Let's get them to four and three. Yeah. <laughs> let's get the Broncos to three and four. Let's not get the Jets at five and two, okay? Let's go Denver. Who would have thought that, huh? Uh, everybody, Hey, everybody was talking about the – Less faith in the Broncos right? than the Niners. Everybody was talking about the AFC West. How about like the, the <laughs> AFC East right now? Like, you yeah. know, two is back. Yeah. It seems like the Patriots figured something out. Um, the Jets are going to be five and two potentially in the, in the Buffalo Bills. That may be the division that gets three playoff teams in. Who would have thought? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say no. It's the, not. the NFC East. Yeah, no, yeah NFC East too. Have, yeah, <laughs> five and one Giants, six and zero oh Eagles. You know, yeah. four and two Cowboys. What the heck? Yeah, none of this makes sense. Yeah, bizarre none world of this a little makes bit sense. the first six weeks. Yeah. Artie, money. Well, I'll see you both at SoFi. I'm just putting it out there that, that Eric's going to be there. Yeah, so I think he's going to San Francisco. I think he wants to watch that uh, Nick Boso Orlando Brown didn't take the money battle. Yeah. Well, tweet it out, E. Let us know where you'll be. Yeah. We appreciate you, bro. Okay. Appreciate you guys having Thanks, me. Thanks, Eric. Good, good seeing you both. All right. For E and money, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. Enjoy the game on Sunday. 